Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We left off John 2.12, and it's talking about Jesus, that after, remember, he turned the water into wine, his first miracle, and he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and disciples, and they stayed a few days, and when it was almost time for Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And so here we have John 2.14, and it says, In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep, doves, others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the table. You've got to think about it this way. I mean, first of all, you know, sometimes we think of like, a religious leader should be like a kind of a political leader. And don't you just know that if he had like advisors, they'd be like, okay, the wedding was awesome. This is disruptive. This is really bad. We've got to do, we've got to cover. We got to get Fox on this and CNN and just say, you had a little breakdown and you're fine now. And, but no, th- this is really in him. And, and I think it's cool to show us that there is such a thing as righteous anger. And that literally, I love that word drove, because he literally took this little whip thing he made from cords and literally drove people and animals out of the temple. In other words, it's like cleansing it. And, and, and I ask him to do that sometimes with me, like, Jesus, get in there Get that whip and drive out that spirit of, of, of selfishness. Just do it. I invite you to do it. You know, drive it out. And sometimes he's like, really? I mean, I really, <laughs> like, you've never invited me to do it before. You've just said, help you not be. And, you know, so sometimes we need to realize that we need things driven out of us. And sometimes it takes events in our lives. Sometimes it takes laying on of hands, literally, and calling out certain spirits and saying, no, no more. And Jesus does that. We're now called the temple, and but he is here in the temple, and um, it's just so reflective of, of us if you look at it in, the, in a spiritual way. In John 2.16, to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How Dare you turn my father's house into a market? And, you know, I think of that today, too, especially in running a ministry. I'm so careful because so many ministries have turned into businesses. If, and, if you, and if you look in other versions of the Bible, it says, how dare you turn my father's house into a business, you know? And it's just... There's that fine line in its motive, its heart motive. And that's the fine line with any and everything we do, is motive and heart motive. And it, for some reason, reminds me of when a reporter asked um, Tiger Woods, you know, how could you keep doing what you were doing and having this duplicitous lifestyle and you know, how, how could you keep lying to everyone? And he said, well, because I was lying to myself. 
And that's really where the word comes in for us because a lot of times we don't even know we're lying to ourselves. We don't even know we have a bad motive. We don't even know. We're not even aware. I mean, I look at the Psalms and how many times David says, Lord, forgive me of my hidden sins, those sins that I'm not even aware of. I mean, if we think of the mercy of God, it's not just what we confess and not just what we've given him. It's all the junk that we think is just fine. You know, we may even have a little pride behind it. Like, ooh, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. And so he drives, and I love that promise that he says that he has zeal for our house. You know, it says in, in John 2, 6, 6, 17, his disciples remembered what was written. So they're thinking back in prophecy and what they were told and taught as little boys, as, as young Jews. And, they, and it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. So that not only fulfilled a prophecy, but it's also like Jesus saying, I have zeal for you as the temple of the Holy Spirit. I have zeal for you. Your house. I, I want you to be cleansed. And I I want you to have that righteous anger against sin and not just be like, well, you know, well, I you know, I'm I just get angry easily because I'm Scottish and Irish and you know, or my, my parents taught me to you know, da da da. Well, I mean we we meet together as Christians and read the word so that we're held not to a higher accountability to each other, but to be reflective of Jesus Christ, you know? And that's why when I hear sometimes people say, yeah, but, you know, nobody's perfect. It's not, that's not what Jesus said. He said, go for it. Go for the love of the Father. Go for the perfect Love And I will not only meet you halfway, if you can only give me a little, little bit, I'll make up the complete difference. I mean, the total difference on that. And I don't know how long ago this, I think Maddie was maybe two years old. And I don't know this story, I've, I've, I've taught it before, but it just came to, to my heart. Um, we were in Walgreens and she was two and, um, you know how they always put things up in the counter that you don't want your child to have? And so they have these giant lollipops, those huge kind that crumble and get all between your car seats and end up in your kid's hair. And, and it was a big mini Mouse. And so she asked um, very nicely, Kahada. It was kind of like, huh? And, you know, I knew exactly what she was saying. Of course, the clerk thought she was so cute and... And she, she was like, oh, look, she wants to have that. And I was like, no, Maddie, we, we're going to go get back in the car, and we don't need that. And so, we, you know, we kind of went on, and we, we were waiting in line behind an elderly gentleman, and finally it was our turn. And um, Maddie had been looking around on the ground, and she found a dime. And she got so excited about this dime, she plunked it on the, on the counter and she looked up at me and she said, yeah, I had that? And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to make up the difference. I mean, I just, I love that picture of like, sometimes we want something and we can only just plunk a dime down and God will totally make up the difference. Like she would never have enough money or enough even 
wisdom at that age to be able to buy what she wanted. And, and I mean, I just, I love that analogy. And when I was in the hospital with leukemia, I even had um, someone write me a card that said, just put your dime down on the the counter, you know, because they remembered that story. Just give, give your whatever you can give and God will just do the rest. Sometimes we think we have to meet God halfway. Sometimes we think we have to meet him you know, drive all this stuff out of me. I got to help you. You know, why don't we just go, God, I don't like sin in me. And I really do want to be righteous. I don't want to be just as good as so-and-so or just like so-and-so. I don't want to like gossip. Maybe that's my problem. Or maybe I have a critical spirit and I thrive on kind of analyzing and being critical of others whatever it might be lord you know i i know it's going to hurt my flesh i know it's going to hurt my flesh but just do it drive it out you know and god is so good he's so good to do that in john two eighteen, the jews then said to him what sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things they are not happy i mean you know his pr is going down big time Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, it took 46 years to build this temple. Now, y'all think about that. Stone on stone on stone on stone. And in a particular way that God wanted it built. And so, they're obviously thinking in the physical realm. And he's talking about the spiritual realm. And they're thinking of what was built. And he's thinking of what is built and what will be rebuilt. And it's just, to me, it shows me how when God says something, just know that sometimes it's not what you think it is, but it's always going to be true. The Jews said, it took 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. But he didn't stop and explain, you know. I think it's interesting if, if you point out in the Bible, and, and I don't know why, but sometimes it seems like God doesn't explain if people really aren't seeking the answer. Like, I'm not judging the people that were there at that time because I can't, I can't know. But I think it's interesting that he doesn't, say, no, I'm talking about the fact that, and try to explain. He just leaves it right there. His disciples hear it. They're always going to keep it in mind. And in, a matter of fact, in verse 22, it says, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what he said, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus has spoken. You know, it's like they pondered that and pondered that, and they, they believed it. But he doesn't explain. And I think sometimes, I, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think God even withholds expl- explanations from, from me because then I'm going to be held accountable for what I know. I mean, you realize that? that <laughs> a lot of people say, you know, I don't want to be teachers because teachers are held to greater accountability. And I am on a short leash with God. I mean... Matter of fact, I, I walked both my dogs this morning, the Siberian Husky, who weighs like 70 pounds in this little bitty Manchester half, I don't know what he is, but we call him Yo-Yo. 
and he's six and a half pounds on a good day. And both of them are pulling on the leash, you know. And But I got to keep Yo-Yo on a tighter leash than Blue because Yo-Yo doesn't have any awareness of cars. And I just think, God, you you te- you, you have me on Yo-Yo's leash, you know, where every few minutes it's like, oh, gosh, you know. And I used to look around and go, nobody else is being convicted in that, you know. Why is nobody else in the conversation being convicted of the fact that we are tearing down this person and her entire family? No one else is. What should I say? What should I do? You know, we've got to rise to a higher standard and and go, God, you know, do show me. And then I do want to be held accountable. It's interesting how even the word held accountable, it's like eh, kind of just really rather ourselves be on the throne and hold ourselves accountable. Like, I will hold myself accountable. Thank you. Um, but but we're, we're supposed to share and we're supposed to hold each other accountable through Jesus. John 2.23, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing the signs which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify Concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. I, I, I just, I look at that so often, John two twenty four, and think Jesus was specifically. I mean, the the author of John, the gospel here, is specifically saying that Jesus did not entrust himself to the whim of the crowd or to the popularity. Or even two people, you know? You would say, well, surely he would trust himself to those around him, like his disciples. Well, it was the closest of his disciples that denied him. He knew being fully God and being fully man. But he knew being fully man, you can't trust yourself to man. I, I, I know in my heart that... I used to really want Lacey to always be kind of the rescuer, like in a situation, like when I was pregnant, the poor man had to get a pager because there were no such thing as cell phones back then. And I just would have to call him just to say, I have got to have this baby I need to have this faith, you know, and, and I want him to make things all right and say a prayer and calm me down. And, 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 you know, God's had to literally wean me from my husband in a really kind of painful ways. Like even when I've got, I've even gone up to him and said, oh, treat me like you used to, you know, you treat, treat me like this. You used to just, he's like, honey, I love you more than I ever have. And you don't, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, I realized it's God going I want to be God. You do not trust yourself to any man. I mean, even if it's your husband and he's the most precious person in the world, you belong to me. And God is that jealous. And I love the way Jesus just emphasizes that so that we can get that, so that we don't remain hurt. I think of how many wives just remain hurt and hurt and hurt because they can't get that hole filled by their husband. Or they can't quite get all that they need by their husband. They're not supposed to. 
God is, is to fill those places in us. John 3, 1 says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you must come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb. You know, it's, it's like, how can we understand the things of the spirit when we are thinking in the things of the flesh? And so often it's like when I'm speaking to groups that I realize everyone in the room knows the Lord, I can feel the spirit freely flowing and saying things to them that I'm not saying to them. I mean, just that he's, it's words of the spirit. But when we think about just man in our own depravity, everything is just about the flesh. Like, well, how can I get in my mother's womb and be born again? I don't understand these things of the spirit. But Nicodemus hangs in there. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said this to you. You must be born again. And then I love this verse because this is my favorite verse is describing the Holy Spirit. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. But you don't know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone born of the spirit. And it's like, of course not. I mean, sometimes you can't even see, you can only see the wind by the bushes moving, and you can feel the wind sometimes, but, I mean, it's just, it's so, it goes on its own, like the Holy Spirit, like the wind. And Jesus is always using great earthly examples of physical things so that we can understand heavenly things, and I thought about the wind being the Holy Spirit, and um, I guess it was about 10 years ago, because I still had really short hair from having had leukemia, and um, I planned this October, because we were married in October, um, giant vacation to Galveston. I, I don't think that's funny, but anyway... Um, for Lacey and I, and, uh, you know, just maybe a couple of nights, but I had it all ideal in my mind, and, you know, I had it all planned out, and how it was going to be, and what he would say, and I'm always, I'm a talker, I mean, I'm a deep thinker, I'm a talker, I'm like, I would love to leave church and, and have the family talk about what we learned, and, you know, Lacey's more likely to say, well, um, anybody hungry? You know, and it doesn't mean that he's not spiritual, but so I, I have this whole romantic weekend planned. Well, it becomes like so frigidly freezing cold, but I'd already planned that we were going to walk on the beach. We were going to walk on the beach. And so it was interesting what God started speaking to me about the spirit and where the spirit goes and where the spirit flows and how it 
it says in John 3, 8, that the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it's coming or going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And how the Spirit is associated with the wind. Because guess what? When we started walking, we were against the wind. And it felt like something was cutting my face. It was just that. And, and, and waves were crashing up. And, and it was just, it was kind of like miserable, but I determined that we were going to walk and I had pointed the way and, and it was really kind of miserable, seriously. And we were kind of shielding our eyes and, you know, the wind was just blowing just right against us. We were going against the wind, totally against the wind. And then when we turned around to go back to the hotel, it was like the nicest walk. You know, all of a sudden you've got all this energy because the wind is pushing you along. And it was like God said, Kathleen, this is exactly what I want to show you, what grace is and what grace isn't. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have God's grace, you can kind of feel him pushing you along. You know, you can feel him pushing you along. It may be even a hard walk. It may be a hard trek, but you can feel him. But when you start going against the Holy Spirit, you just feel that wind. It's uncomfortable. It's not right. And that just has always made an impact in in my life. Well, here Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to them, are you a teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? And, and he's not insulting him. He's just saying, do you not see how all of these prophecies are being fulfilled? And do you not see how God said that he would take your heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh? Do you not see how the Messiah would come? Can you not understand what's happening? And I love the fact that Jesus and, and, and um, Nicodemus keep talking because... I think Jesus, I know, Jesus knew that this man was really seeking. He wasn't just talking to be talking. I've had um, different people say that um, they thought it was a bad thing that Nicodemus had to come in the middle of the night because he was ashamed and he shouldn't have come in the middle of the night. I don't really think that. I think he wanted to be free to ask this man everything because he wanted truth. He didn't want bystanders holding him back. And he wanted just complete truth. And sometimes that's like God with us in the middle of the night, you know? When we get woken up and it's just like, wow, okay. I really want truth. I just want to be alone with you right now. Um, John three eleven. I think that's where I left off. Yes, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who was descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses is lifted, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, he's taking this leader, this um, synagogue leader, teacher, and he's saying, I'm taking you back to the scriptures that you know, and I'm going to show you a picture of the snake that was, on, that was lifted up on a stick by Moses. That 
being a picture of Jesus taking all of our sins. I mean, not Jesus being a snake, but Jesus literally at one point being so full of sin that the Father turned from him. And so he's planting all this in Nicodemus. And I think there's a reason for it. It's really kind of exciting. Um, We'll get to it. And then he goes on to say so many important things to, to this man, Nicodemus, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And then here's that famous scripture, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I, I, I just, I can't get past, For God so loved, he gave. Because so many people are like, Well, my definition of love is when... I mean, do, I'm, am I the only one that reads Star Magazine? Because I, I'm not, I, I get a lot out of it. From I do. I learn a lot of uh, spiritual things. But I just remember reading, like, I, and I won't name this celebrity, but it was just the typical, like, we, our marriage, we've grown apart, and we, um, our love has dissipated as the years have gone by. And I'm, But see, that's not God's love. You know, and God's love even loves the unlovables. And that's what he wants us to do every day is God so loved the world that he gave. He gave that which was most precious to him, his only son, so that we would not perish, but that we would have everlasting life, eternal life. And and that he wants us to live every day. In the mode of giving, not in the mode of getting, but in the mode of giving. And I'm trying to teach my, my kids that way because one's a getter and one's a giver. <laughs> and I won't tell you which one, but one of them is like, oh, you know, um, I've been thinking about this Lego set lately. And, you know, and, and he he's young but it's such a great picture and then the other one is you know how are you feeling mom what can i get for you and it just and and we all can be getters or givers we really can and sometimes we can even be so pious in our giving that we get to the point where we're like well somebody should give to me now you know and then we could let that sin come on in love gives without any desire for anything back it's sacrifice it's sacrifice you know and i i i know this is so hard it's so hard for even me to say and i don't even pretend to be in her situation but a friend of mine said you know it's so difficult and god finally directed her um because of multiple reasons in his scripture and through his people to go ahead and get a divorce and she said I just feel so like empty because I gave and gave and gave and I just turned to her and I said no that's the sacrificial giving that's the sacrificial love that Christ wants us to give it's not up to us what the person ends up doing or how they respond to us or what the outcome is it's not up to us it's only up to us to give sometimes just to give our silence and just be there sometimes just to 
try to help. Drove up to ATV yesterday and um, got some stuff, and I had this headache like you wouldn't believe, and so I couldn't wait to get out of there. And um, I was kind of berating myself for not taking Tylenol, but you know, once you get in your car, it's like I'm not going back into the house. Like I don't know why we do that. It's just so easy to go back into the house. And it's also easy to pray against the headache, which I didn't do either. So I, I, I went to HB and I had my thing. So then I'm getting in the parking lot. All the groceries are in the car. And I see a lady and she's parked in the handicap. And then I'm kind of, I'm kind of watching her because she, she's very gingerly pulling a wheelchair out for herself. And, and she can't walk. And I'm thinking that is, hard, you know? And so just out of love, I mean, out of wanting to love her, like Christ would love her. I just, I just kind of got out of the car and she was starting to wheel herself a little bit. And so she went over one of the speed bumps and went backwards. And so I kind of ran to her like, I'm coming, you know? And I was like, can I help you? And she's like, nah, I can do it myself. And I thought, okay, we'll see. It wasn't that it was such like a paramount picture moment with the right music. It was just that my heart was right, and I felt good about that. Like, I just wanted to help her. And so we need to also think about that with our families. So often we pour, 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 pour into them, or we love, love, love. And sometimes we even say stuff like, I am not going to even try anymore because blah, 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 blah. Well, what, how, how is that biblical? When did Jesus say that about us? You know, when did God go, okay, I have totally given up on Amanda, <laughs> you know? I mean, love is a sacrifice. And I, and, and I love, I love that, taking that with us and realizing that doesn't mean that I may get something back for my husband, or at least what I wanted, or my child, or my mother, or, you know, and I say family because family is the place where sometimes it's really the hardest to love because A, you think they should know better, B, that you think they should know you know better and they should listen to you. And see, you know, it's all the history, the history of the history of the history and the layers and the layers and the layers. And I think that's what's so awesome about the whole temple picture is, Lord, drive out unforgiveness in our family. Drive out a spirit of just unforgiveness. That seems to be the worst spirit just in any family, drive out the past so that the temple doors can be open to the present. And I just want us to just keep that in mind and keep praying that because that seems to be just really on my heart today. Um, it says in John three seventeen, as if someone was wondering, God's going to go ahead and answer this question. He's saying, God didn't send his son, me, into the world to condemn the world. Because he knew later it'd be like, oh yeah, so you sent Jesus to condemn half the world because they're on the other side of the planet and there's no way they can know about you. Well, isn't God bigger than that? I think so. He's saying, for God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. 
He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We'll read these scriptures. John 3, 19. Jesus goes on and he's talking to Nicodemus still. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. And, and that makes so much sense. It's like Christianity really does explain the heart of a man. That, that, and, and that's true of all of us. It's like we don't want our, our bad deeds to come to the light, but we sure would like our good deeds to come to the light. And Jesus says, don't let, you know, don't even let your good deeds come to the light because you want God to get the glory. And then the bad things You do want to come to the light because you want to confess them and confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. It's like, wow. Opposite. For everyone who does hate evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Now, I'm looking at all that he poured into Nicodemus. And so many others in the crowd or a Jewish leader or whatever would ask him a question and he would either not answer or answer with a one. Look how much he poured into Nicodemus. And so this morning when I got up so early, I just thought, I've got to see where I can't remember where Nicodemus ended up. You know, it's almost like he he's there and then. Where did he go? You know, because Jesus really poured into him. Well, he's mentioned twice more after his meeting with Jesus in John 7.50 and in John 19.39. He is seen providing the myrrh and aloes with which to treat Jesus' body for burial. And history tells us that that was over 100 pounds of myrrh and aloe that he brought to Jesus. In other words, he came wholly and fully to the Lord. But Jesus kind of saw him coming before he came. Don't you love that? And like he saw us coming before we came, and yet he's the one that drew us, and he's the one that draws us even now to him. We can't even claim that. Like, well, you know, I wish so-and-so else in my family would have wanted to be in a Bible study, you know. We'd leave books on the coffee table. Oh, I don't know how that got on there, honey. That book called Your Husband Should Pray. I, I, don't, I don't know where that came from. Do you want to read it? I mean, you know, all the stuff we tried through the years. Oh, just to look today and say, Holy Spirit cleanse the temple of my heart and cleanse the temple of my family in Jesus name we hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message to order a copy of this and other messages please call us in San Antonio Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area 877-397-7773 that's 1-877-397-7773 visit our website KathleenWitten.org K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N W-H-I-T-T-E-N dot org Thank you 